Good morning. Ah, there you are. <laughs> Good morning. Good to see you all. I hope you are well. Uh, and I'm excited because today we're starting a series in the Psalms, one of my favourite books in the Bible. It's a, it's a book, a series of 150 songs that I think are really raw with emotion. They're really honest. And I think when we read them, they can speak to our hearts. So I pray that God will speak to us today. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God that he might speak to us all. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love toward us. We pray as we hear from your word today, you would speak to our hearts mightily, that, Lord, you would cast all distractions away. And, Lord, if you want to speak into a specific area of our life, that you would do that today. Lord, that you would create within us, a renew within us a hunger, a thirst for you, a hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we might recognise that you are our only hope and that there is healing in you. Lord, I pray you would use my words and speak to our hearts by your Spirit, through your Word. Help us to cast aside all that's unhelpful, but speak to us. Today we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, I'm actually going to read to you Psalm 42 and 43 before um, I share God's Word with you today, because it's going to put in context what we're talking about, and it'll be on your screen. So Psalm 42 from the New International Version. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten? We might, why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my phones taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. And Psalm 43, which is actually the same song, but just divided into two psalms. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Wow, These are, this is an incredible song, and we're going to talk about that right now. Now, as I said, uh, this month we're starting a new series from the Psalms called Practicing the Presence of God. Now, what on earth does that mean, practicing the presence of God? Well, it means we're going to talk uh, about how you and I can enjoy a close, ongoing relationship with God in the good times and the bad times. 
how you and I can live continuously in the presence of God at work, at home, as we start the day, throughout the day, and on those days when everything falls apart. How we can experience God in our daily lives in the real world. Now, why is this topic so important to discuss? Well, because it makes a huge difference in our lives and in our walk with God. It affects the choices we make, the actions and directions we take, and it affects our ability to cope when everything breaks. You see, in reality for many of us, we, we aren't daily or regularly investing in our relationship with God. So we haven't got a depth of relationship with God to rely upon when everything goes wrong. And the result is we fall apart when things go pear-shaped because we ask ourselves, where is God? But God has always been there. We just need to invest in a relationship with Him if we want to enjoy His presence in the hard times and the good. We can't expect to feel the presence of God in those difficult times if we treat Him like we give Him a call once a year. <laughs> if you gave someone a call once a year, would you expect that person to have an intimate, close relationship with you? No! So no wonder we struggle in our faith when we're not investing in that relationship. So how do we practice the presence of God in our daily lives? How do we enjoy a deep and close relationship with Him? Well, the poetic song found in Psalm 42 and 43, which we just read, instructs us that if we want to practice the presence of God in our daily lives, then we must first of all have a desire to seek God's presence. Now, sadly, so many of us don't do this, do we? If we're honest, we don't have a desire to seek God's presence. Instead, we fill our lives with busyness and so many distractions, so many commitments, so many things that if we're organised, God might possibly get an hour with us on Sunday and maybe a couple of prayers here and there. We don't prioritise God, let alone desire Him. <laughs> so it's no wonder we struggle in our daily lives and feel distant from Him. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> But this was not the psalmist's problem. Have a listen to this temple singer's words, this musician from the temple. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with my God? Like a deer pants for streams of life-giving water in a long and agonizing drought, so too the psalmist thirsts for God. Have you ever been so thirsty that it's your body physically reacts to your need for water? It's almost overwhelming, isn't it? This is what we're talking about here, a thirst, a longing for God. He thirsts for the living God, our source of life. He longs for God's presence and his heart breaks over the loss of his presence that he's missing when he enjoyed worship with the believers together in the temple. Now, does this longing for God, and this is an important question, does this longing for God resonate with you or not? Do you long for God? Do you thirst for him? Or if you're honest, not really. Well, if it doesn't, then the question we should be asking ourselves today is, what drove this temple singer to so deeply desire God in his presence? That's the question, isn't it? What drove him to so deeply long and thirst for God? 
Well, the simple answer is he was in exile. What, what does that mean? Well, he'd been forcibly removed from his home. He'd been taken far away. He felt rejected by God. He felt alone. And so he longed for God in his presence. He longed for God to bring him home. It would be as if uh, a country, for example, like Indonesia came and invaded us and deported us to Indonesia and, uh, and we lost everything. We lost our family. We lost our home. We lost everything. This is exactly what's going on for this temple worshiper, this singer. He's lost everything. And so does it make sense he's longing for God? Of course, because when it really hits the fan, what do we do? We cry out to God. Where are you, God? Where? Now, how do we know he's in exile? Well, we see it right here. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. What? <laughs> what is this talking about him being exile? All right, let me help you with that. Let's visualize this. Here's a map of those days. Can you chuck it up, guys? Now, it's a little bit hard to see. I wish I had one of those laser pointers, but oh, look, they're doing it for me. Fantastic. So they're drawing, draw again, guys. Around Jerusalem, that's down in Judah down here, okay? So can you see this kind of orangey part, Judah? There's Jerusalem. That's where the temple is, okay? And where is our temple worshiper? Where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be in the temple, right? That's his job, right? So he's not on vacation. <laughs> where is he? Well, let's keep going up, up, up. Go through Israel. He's not even in Israel. He's in Aram in Syria. He's out right up the top underneath Aram, Syria. He's in Mount Hermon on the slopes of Mount Hermon in Mount Mizar. Now, why is he there? Because he's been taken forcibly from his home and he's in exile. Now, this is important. Why is this so important? Because it drove him to God, right? And it can drive us to God too. It can move us to desire God's presence because the Scriptures tell us that we are also exiles in a foreign land. 1 Peter puts it like this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, well, so this world is not our home, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now, what's Peter saying and what am I trying to say? Well, when you and I realise that this broken world is not our home, that our destination is heaven, not Blacktown, <laughs> and that our home is with God, not in Kasula where I live or wherever else we live, when we realise that God has mercifully saved you and I from all of our sins, every one we've committed, and he set us apart to be his special chosen people called to declare his praises. When we realise we're exiles in a foreign land and recognise our spiritual need for God and God's incredible grace toward us, this should create a desire in our hearts to seek his presence. When we recognise that we suck, but God loves us anyway so much he died on the cross for us and redeemed us by paying the ultimate price of his own son. When we realise this, when we realise our home is not here but in heaven, that should create a desire, a longing within us 
for heaven, for home, for God. Does that make sense? Now, when we get this, Jesus' words should resonate with us. Have a listen to Jesus' words. May they be our words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So we recognize our spiritual need. That's poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, who mourn over their sins and others' sins, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. So we humbly recognize our position before God, that He's here and we're here. They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we desire to be more like God by living rightly and seeking justice for the oppressed. They will be filled. Now, all these Beatitudes drip with the desire to seek God's presence and be like Him. Recognising our spiritual need, how bereft we are, how we desperately need Him. Recognising my sin and mourning over it and repenting. And then coming to God humbly and saying, I'm not worthy, but you have made me worthy by grace. And thanking Him and hungering and thirsting for Him. Just like the psalmist thirsts like a deer pants for water when we have this type of perspective, it will transform our lives. We will experience the depth of God's presence and His peace. So let's pray that God will make us these people. Let's ask God. Let's cry out to God. He loves to hear the prayers of His saints. That He would help us to recognise our great spiritual need and His incredible grace. And that will create a deep desire within us to seek His presence as exiles who long for our eternal home. I think part of the problem is we're so caught up in now. You know, we're so busy, especially in Sydney. You know, in the city, you know when you're going on holiday anywhere other than like our city? <laughs> so if you, like if you go to coastal, if you go country, the pace of life is slower. And I always say, always say, man, oh, it's so good. Why are we running around like mad people in Sydney? It's like a disease we have, right? We just can't stop. And, we, and I kind of long for that kind of restfulness of slowing down a bit. Well, if we, if we seek God, really seek Him, we can experience this peace, this presence. Now, this is the first step to practicing the presence of God in our daily lives. Another step then that will help us to ongoingly enjoy God's presence in our lives is to be honest with God in your prayers. Be honest with God in your prayers. Now, if we're going to seek God's presence, then we need to be honest and real with God, right? You see, honesty doesn't scare God because He already knows everything anyway. You know that He already knows everything about you, right? So honesty with God is a beautiful thing because it opens the door to real intimacy with Him. You can't have an intimate relationship with anyone if you constantly lie to them or sugarcoat the truth or tell little white lies. That's not a relationship, is it? It's those most intimate relationships, those close relationships depend on honesty, don't they? That's what builds relationship. How much more with God? When He already knows. We say, oh God, Thou art holy. I'm feeling fantastic today, Almighty Creator. And He's like, you're an idiot. You're not feeling great at all. <laughs> Just be honest with me. <laughs> I don't think He calls us an idiot. <laughs> but you get my point. God knows us, so let's be honest with Him. Have a listen. <laughs> now, let me say this. When you read throughout the Scriptures, especially the Psalms, you see this brutal honesty with God. Have a, have a listen to this. My soul 
thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Now, do you see that? The psalmist is deadly honest with God about his longing to come into his presence, about the agony of his enemies' taunts and his heartache to return to those passionate, joyful times of worship with God's people in the temple. This kind of honest language should resonate with us too. Because the psalmist is not alone in his struggle, is he? We also feel the weight of our heartaches and our burdens. And psalms like this give us permission. In fact, more than that, they show us that we can be honest with God in our prayers. That's the beauty particularly of the psalms is it's raw and it's real. And that's what God wants us to be like. He wants to have a relationship, not a pretend la-di-da religious event with us. He wants real relationship. And when we're honest with Him, we can cry out to God. We can enjoy intimacy and He hears us. He's not a deaf God. He doesn't have to tune in. He's not listening to another radio station and says, sorry, just give me a moment. He's not like me with my poor wife and I'm, man, I, I have a hearing problem when it comes to listening. You know, He's not like that. He, hears, he knows it before we say it. In fact, Psalm 139 makes this really clear. Have a listen. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. <laughs> so he knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to say before you say it, which means there's no need to pretend with God. Just be honest with him. It actually makes us, I think it makes me realise how incredible his love is toward me because when he knows all the stuff going on in my head, <laughs> which is not always great, and the Lord's at work in me and all of us, right? But yet he still loves me. Right? And what's so wonderful about being honest with him, no matter how he answers, is your heartfelt honesty can lead to a closer intimacy with him. Now, sometimes God answers by saying no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says wait. But he always answers for our best in mind. Sometimes in the furnace, that's where we grow. And let me say this, talking about intimacy by being honest with God. I have personally experienced this deeply. You know, there's been so many times where I've failed myself or God, where, where I'm going through a difficult situation, and I get down on my knees, and I've cried many tears before God and said, God, where are you? Help me or forgive me or help me to overcome, and I can't believe I failed you again or whatever it is. And let me say, even if the situation hasn't changed, almost without fail, when I'm genuinely honest with God like that, He always, without fail, gives me peace. Now, it might mean the next day I have to come to him again because the turmoil's still there. But I know when I'm really honest with him, my experience has been he gives me rest. There's something cathartic about it, something deeply liberating and healing about being really honest with God because he hears us and he cares for us and there's something supernatural about it. So what are we waiting for? <laughs> Let's be honest with him. And if you're wondering, is the psalmist being honest? Well, he is. But have a listen to how his honesty brings intimacy when we read Psalm 43, which is the closing half of this song. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. So he's like, help me out here, Lord. 
Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Now, as the psalmist cries out to God here, do you notice the increasing closeness to God? Let me show you, because I've got the underlines right there. Starting with his long escape to, uh, from exile, so he's on Mount uh, Hermon. And he, where does he want to be? He wants to be closer to God, to your holy mountain. So that's Mount Zion, okay? But then he doesn't want to just go to Mount Zion. No, he wants to be closer again. He wants to be to the place where you dwell, which is God's temple. But he doesn't just want to be in the temple. He wants to be the altar of God. But not just at the altar of God. He wants to be with God himself. Is he there yet? He's still in exile. But notice as you read through the Psalm 42 and 43, What it comes to is even though he's not there yet, there's this deeper sense of intimacy and peace and hope. That's the beauty of honesty with God. We might not be there yet. We might still be in exile. But God brings this intimacy, this peace when we do this. So we can find a closer spiritual intimacy with God when we honestly share our hearts with Him because He cares, He listens, He understands, and He will answer us according to His will. And that's what's best for us. There's something deeply healing and liberating about this. So the psalmist moves from sorrow to hope in this prayerful song. I've experienced that. We can all experience that inward healing and liberation when we really come to Him with honesty. And you might say, I've never been that honest with God. Well, today's the day, my friend. (laughs) It's never too late to be honest with God. He wants to hear from us. Now, just as having a desire to seek God and being honest with God in our prayers helps us to experience the presence of God, So too, if we really want to grow in our intimacy with God, then in Psalms 42 and 43, we learn the importance that we should focus on God's faithfulness. Focus on God's faithfulness. You see, so often we get depressed and stressed when we focus on the situation rather than God and His faithfulness, don't we? How often do we do this? Rather than this. (laughs) We do it all the time, don't we? I do it. We focus on the situation. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. Ah! Ah. And we all do it. Clearly, this was the psalmist issue too. So get what he does. He speaks to himself. He talks to himself and he reminds himself to put his hope in God and his faithfulness. He says, stop looking down. Look up, look up, look up, he's saying to himself. And this is what he says repeatedly in verse 5, verse 11, again in Psalm 43, verse 5 again. So three times he says it. Have a listen. Exactly the same thing. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Now, this is great self-talk. Because in the midst of his turmoil, he reminds himself again and again to put his hope in God because God is the one who can save him. He is not alone. Though his outward circumstances haven't changed yet, he can trust in his God to deliver him. And so he finds hope. Now, When you hear the stories of people in concentration camps, particularly in Nazi Germany, again and again, I've heard these stories. What kept people alive in such places? What was it? Hope. 
It was hope. Had their situation changed? No. What kept them alive? Hope. And this is exactly what we're talking about. When we remember God's faithfulness, we remember God, we look up to Him and what He's done for us, we find hope. And He reminds Himself that there is a very good reason for this hope as He remembers again and again who God is and how He's provided for Him in the past. Have a listen to His words. These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. I say to God, my rock, you are my stronghold. Now, did you hear all that? Even though these reminders are bittersweet, he remembers how God was faithful to him and reminds himself of who God is. He's rock and he's stronghold. And he pours out his soul to God and remembers these things. And when he does, he finds hope as he pleads his cause to the one who can save him. Now, the Apostle Paul encourages us to do the same thing in our struggles when he says this. Have a listen to his words. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's read it together, in fact. Let's keep going. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So in the midst of trouble, how do we overcome? How do we experience God's presence and peace? Or we honestly cry out to God for His help and we remind ourselves of all He's done for us in the past. In other words, we remember He's got runs on the board. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He was faithful then, is He going to be faithful now? You bet your bottom dollar He is. He's the only one that's truly reliable. We let each other down all the time. God never lets us down. He never abandons us. He never leaves or forsakes us. In short, we pray, we put our hope and trust in God and we focus on His faithfulness. And then we'll experience His presence and His peace that passes understanding. Everything's going crazy around you, but yet you have peace. And people say, how are you at peace? And you say, God, because of God. So you want to experience God's presence and peace in your daily life? Then you have a desire to seek God's presence. You be honest with God in your prayers. You cry out to Him and you focus on God's faithfulness. And let me say this, and you get to know Him from these pages. You don't know God. You have a misperception of God. You think He's an angry grandpa or a religious dude off in the distance. Well, then get to know the real God. Do you know where He's found? Right here. Right here. This is where God speaks to you from His Word and you develop intimacy, where you speak to God in prayer and He speaks to you from His Word. And as you spend time in His Word and get to know His Word, over the years as I've read the Word, it gets stuck in there. And you'll be out on a boat. You'll be going for a run. You'll be in the middle of a hard time. And God brings these thoughts to your mind. He brings Scripture to mind. You don't have to have it with you because it's there. And that's what develops intimacy because God speaks to you and you're like, wow, that's amazing. We have a living God, not a dead one. And that's the one we can trust. 
When you do all these things, then like the psalmist, you can sing this beautiful lyric that was in the midst of his turmoil. Have a listen to this song that I praise all of our songs. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. That's his covenant committed love to us that never lets us down. He pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. May this be our song today as we remember what Christ has done for us. And may this be our life song as we seek his presence in our daily lives. Let's ask God to help us with this.